0: Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I feel this, this, this expanding in, in me. Do you feel the expanding in you? It feels like. You know, just like he's taking ground on the earth, it's like I can feel him taking ground in my body. I don't even know if that, I don't even know if I can put words to it. But it's just, I think just the more that, um, you know, the more that we hunger for him and the more that we yearn for him, then it just gives him such an open invitation to keep having more and more, you know. But it's just that hungering that, man, he loves to feed the hungry. You know, but then he'll do crazy things and he'll hit somebody that's not even asking, nor do they even want it. So, you know, who can make sense out of him? He does what he wants anytime he wants. Man, I love what uh, BJ said one day. I guess there was somebody challenging, you know, what what God was doing. And they were like, well, where's the scripture for that? He was like, well, it's the scripture. I forget which one it was but I am God and I do as I please. That is it right there. He does whatever he wants to do whenever he wants. I like that. I like that I can't figure him out. I appreciate that. I don't want a God in my own image. I don't want one that I can figure out and that I can know what he's going to do. That would be really scary. Actually, that would be really scary. No, thanks. We love your awesomeness, Daddy. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, what materials are you building with? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. I love that we're talking about building. And, um, you know, Teresa mentioned that we were doing some scraping. Doing some scraping got to scrape some stuff. I've had to scrape some stuff. You know, the more, the older that I get, the more that I have to find I have to be okay with scraping. Because, you know, scraping can happen after something you just thought you knew, you know, just a month ago. It's not even stuff, you know, from a long time ago. It's just constant. It's constant. It's constantly, you know, just Whenever you're saying here, you can have me, you can have my life. Then that means that he gets it and then he can change anything he wants to change. And I'm happy with that. I want that. Do you want that? Well, I was thinking about the whole building process. And there's basically three different. um, I'm going to break it down into three different topics into three different. Um, systems, if you will. And within those, there's, there's a lot of different variations, but I feel like that, um, he's, he's breaking it down into some pieces that are, um, chewable. And so the first one I wanted to start out with is our value. And you know, if, if, if there's not value in the builder, then that messes everything else up. You know, you can't have, if you don't have a good value system, then you will build for the wrong motives, or maybe you won't build at all. You know, you won't, if you don't have a really good hold on your own personal value, then you'll find that you may want to build things that are going to build you up internally, And why is that a problem? You can just look around at the world and you can see what the problem is. You have a bunch of orphans that are just longing to have some kind of validation, you know, fighting for themselves, fighting to be number one, fighting to have some kind of belief in themselves, fighting for somebody to believe in them. And, you know, it's really sad is that, you know, it's kind of, you're just fighting from something that you already have. I think that's really the saddest part, you know, that whenever you look around and so many people are hurting and longing to just be loved. And then really the father, you know, the father is just longing To show how much he really loves and desires people. And so, you know, I just, I want to just hammer down a little bit in where our value comes from. Because I think we all have, we all have a good knowledge of the word. We all have a good, uh, we all have some time logged in church. We have some time logged in encounters and so we have a really good. Um, uh, we we can cognitively say where value comes from. We can we can give scripture for it, but then I think sometimes that there's can be an underground system that is at play and. You know, so we try to solve issues within ourselves and we're thinking that we're going to solve it one way, but really it's just the most simplest way in our belief systems and our own value. And, <clears throat> you know, I think just in pastoring for so many years and then, of course, just being human myself, um, you know, I can see when um you know, if there's just some unmet needs within our own soul about being something of worth, something of value, then I can tell that it's really hard to build something sustainable if we don't have a good solid foundation on just where our basic foundation comes, our basic foundation is of our value. I mean, it's just, it's the, it's the very foundation. I love that Teresa was talking about foundations and you remember those houses that she showed on the screen that was so good. And I was just thinking about whenever, if we have a value system based on other people's opinions, based on, um, positions that we may get positions, we may lose, Husbands, we may get wives. We may lose. You know, the list goes on. If we have if we have things deeply rooted in these external things, then we will never build a product that's really worth um, the great price that Jesus paid. We will we will only build systems that at the end will crumble just like those houses. Like those houses that we saw whenever the, the ocean got a little bit too close for comfort. You know, that's that's really what happens if we build on a foundation that isn't solidified. And so whenever you think about your place in the tribe, you, know, you have to ask yourself, do, do I know my place because daddy God has told me my place because I'm so completely well fathered and cared for that out of this place, this is where I stand and this is where I have a position or do we come more from an angle of, well, if, if I get to have a word read during service one day, then that means that I'm validated. Or is it that well I'm I'm friends with leadership. So then that means that I have some kind of a something. I don't even know what that is, but I know that it's it's a thing that I have some kind of hierarchy. That's a really weird thing to even have come out of your mouth but it's true though you know or is it that if I just do the trash then people don't really see that I'm really valuable You know, there's all these things that we have to really look at when we do things and why we do things. And we have to look at the underground system that goes on within our heart. Because I think all those things, they're not even, it's not a signal that you're bad. It's just a signal that you're gaining your value from a different system than what God is wanting for you to have your value from. It's not, it's not. You're not evil. You're not wrong. There's just a deficit. And he wants to feel the deficit. It's just like, you know, you have overdrawn your checking account and you need some cash in there. And so he wants to give you some cash so that you can have in the green. We want, che- we want our checkbooks to be in the green. Although checkbooks aren't really even a thing anymore. You know, I know that there's some people that have never even written a check in this room. There are people that have never written a check. crazy, isn't it? But in order to know what our value is, we can only get it from one source. Say one one source. One source. It's one source. It's the one source. So we can try and get people to give it to us. But this is the thing. If you have people give it to you, you will constantly need them to give it to you. Constantly. And then if they don't, if they're busy one day, if they're thinking about something else, if they're stressing out themselves, where are you at that point? how can dad use us to build if everything is so wishy-washy and on shaky ground that I will fully attend and I will fully be involved as long as you tell me how valuable I am. That's a lot of pressure on people. A lot of pressure on people that are not perfect. no one's perfect. And so no one can be perfect. And so you could just be relieved right now. Everybody, you are relieved from being perfect or for trying to be perfect. You, you are relieved. Yes, you are so relieved of perfection. But, you know, if you're really, if you're waiting for other people to tell you what only God can tell you then you'll be 80, 90 years old with your hand out still waiting for somebody to tell you. Whenever there's actually a river, there's actually a river that is fully open all the time to always constantly tell you how beautiful and how valuable and how wonderful and how marvelous and how perfect and how much you're desired and longed for, all that is just, it's just there. It's in you. It's a river in you that just is, it can bubble up if you just tap into it. It can tap into it. And so then before you know it, the hunger to have other people give it to you, it's like, oh yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't have what it once used to have. Now, now it's now it's a little bit of a little bit of seasoning on. Your already delicious steak. That's that's nice whenever I have a friend that can come along and say something. That's awesome. That's not bad. And if you're a words of affirmation person, then it's even more so great. But but it only can be a little sprinkling. It can't be your steak. And and I think that in order to build, if you don't have the steak be the steak. You're going to be eating tofu and trying to call it steak. And who wants tofu? No one wants tofu. I don't care what anybody says, no one wants tofu. Mm-mm. You can say you want it, but I don't believe you. I don't believe it. It's not true. <laughs> um And I'm just going to go to the word a little bit. Want to? You know, I have this thing where really I feel like all I could do is just talk in scripture. I feel like like I don't even need a filler, but I do. I have a lot of fillers, but I feel like I don't need to because I feel like he does a really excellent job about saying what he wants to say. You know what I mean? But I'm, I'm going to do some recap on some scripture that we've been talking about lately because um, it's just what's getting the point across. So I think in order to really find where our value comes from, we got to go all the way back, all the way back, all the way back. But before we go to the word, I want to go back even further. So so here you are on earth, right? Living your best life, doing your thing. And in this little blip of your life, maybe this much of your life, you are you're that's where you are right now you're in this tiny little blip okay if you go way back if you go back before genesis and if you go back before god created anything if you keep going back and if you keep going back and if you keep going back he was loving you from all times past See, he was loving you way before you ever came to this earth. So way before your parents were born, way before your grandparents were born, way before anything ever took place, he was loving you unconditionally. He chose to love you Prior to all the things you've been doing up till now. He chose it. He, he, his love for you actually has zero to do with where you are right now in your life. It doesn't have anything to do with things you should have done that you didn't do. It doesn't have anything to do with things you should have done that you didn't do. It has nothing to do with time that you wasted. It has nothing to do with the sin that you just did. It has nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. The only reason that you're loved is because he loves you and because he made you. And so it has it has nothing to do with anything you're ever gonna do, you could possibly do that you won't do, it won't ever matter. Because his love will never change. See, there's there's a see that has to be so rooted deep in our hearts because I think that in Christendom, we're able, we're able to quote it. But then I can see I can see the yeast of it that gets this yeast of of not understanding the depths of his love getting the yeast gets it permeates so many places that before you know it, you have this really big loaf of bread and you're supposed to have a cracker. That's what happens with yeast. Yeast makes it bloat up. And You know, I think that you have to really understand the love of God because the love of God is, um, this is, y'all ready? Brace yourself. Okay, this is going to be extremely revelatory and you're going to need to chew on it for a long time. Are you ready? ready? God's love is not like your love. That's heavy, isn't it? It's deep, isn't it? See, but we really think that God's love is like our love. We really do. We really think, I am so annoyed with myself today. I cannot believe I did that again. I cannot believe that this same cycle, I cannot believe I'm in the same cycle again. This is ridiculous. I can't believe I talked to them that way. I can't believe God. I can't believe I can't believe I can't believe. Can't believe I did it again. And so then we'll put distance between him or others because we feel so embarrassed or so ashamed. All the while, we can still say, but I know he loves me, but I know he loves me, but I know he loves me. But see, that's that's that thing where there's still some cracking within the foundation that we're not quite understanding how completely and love, and how completely um, his hands are so tied to us that there is nothing that we can do to ever change it. There's nothing you can ever do to change it. Nothing. You can't earn more. You can't lose more. You can't change it. It is unchangeable. His love is unchangeable. And his love is perfect. There's no shadow in it. There's no darkness in it. There's no fickleness. There's no moodiness. There's no uh, um, good one day, bad the other day. There's no um, changing of its mind. It's perfect. And it's been perfect way before you were ever even a thought within your parents way before you could have ever done anything good for him. Your position with him was already stable and sure and solid. It's solid. It is solid. You cannot change him. There is nothing you can do to change him. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make a man and a woman in our image. As our image, image can also be translated representation or resemblance. God created someone like himself to reflect who he is into all his creation. He created trees after their kind, birds after their kind, fish after their kind, and animals after their kind. But now he creates a God kind of being. Man and woman will resemble him and bring his image into the created order. Christ is the image of God. It says, to be, it says, um, to, it says let us make a man a woman in our image to be like us. Let them reign over the fish of the sea, the birds, of the air, the livestock, over the creatures that creep along the ground. And over the wild animals. God created man and woman. And shaped them with his image inside them. In his own beautiful image. Say beautiful. Beautiful. Say beautiful image. image. He created his masterpiece. Say I'm his masterpiece. masterpiece. Tell your neighbor you're his masterpiece." masterpiece. Yes male and female he created them. It's really hard to not understand our value if we look at us being made in the very image of him. Is that one thing that's been said so much that it kind of loses its oomph? I was created in his image. It's really hard to see that we're created in his image and hate on what he made. In Romans 8, 29 through 30, it says, For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Say, just like him. Having determined our destiny ahead of time, when? He called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness. What kind of righteousness? To everyone. To everyone. Everyone. To me. Me. To you. You. To me. To To my neighbor. neighbor. To those people that get on my nerves at work. (laughs) To them too. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co glorified with his son. Say, I am perfect righteousness. I am perfect righteousness. Because I'm created, I'm created. In, the of him. in the likeness of him. Is that solid? Yeah. Is it solid? Yeah. I love what Teresa talked about encounters. And how encounters are miracle grows moments. But how God is really interested in the process. You know, I think that's so good because I think sometimes if if we leave if we leave from our breakthrough moments And if we find ourselves questioning something again, or if we find ourselves having to keep growing and maturing, I think we can almost start thinking that um, there's not real hope in being any better or getting or being any different, you know, because we kind of put so much, we put so much tension and we put so much pressure on one encounter that's going to change every single thing. And so then we're ill-prepared when we have an encounter. We have an encounter with His love. We encounter the goodness of Him. And then we hear the the liar of our souls try to convince us of something. And then we think, oh, well, see, none of that was even real because here I am again, and this same lie has come back again. But see, there's a reason that God loves the journey of teaching us. He loves the process of it becoming more and more solidified. See, God isn't really concerned that the enemy um, that the enemy can lie to us. That's not really his concern. That's not really a thing for him because He already knows that because we're in it, that we have, that we can win. He already knows that we're fully prepared. And so I would just say that if you are in a place where you're really trying to, to, uh, really have the love of God just really completely uh, be so solidified in you, I just want to say that the enemy will try to lie to you. And so you have to know what is true and you have to go back to the word and you have to remind him what you know to be true. See, but I, I, I think he knows when we don't know. You know, because it doesn't take long if, you know, say that you get a text message and somebody has something mean to say about you. And the next thing you know, you question life itself. You know, I'm just a worm and nobody likes me. I'm never going to be anything. You know, all that kind of stuff that can happen. And so then the enemy, he knows what your reaction is to that. And he knows, okay, hey, if I do this, they're going to be down for a good month. That's good. We can do that. Hey, get some get some backup y'all y'all go ahead and stack it on after I'm done i'm going to have you and you and you come and you come and you stack it on too and we're going to get him down for about 6 months yeah. see he knows and but see the crazy thing is that dad's not really concerned about that because he has full trust and belief in what he put in you He knows that you have what it takes to overcome. He knows you have what it takes to be fully engulfed in who he is and who you are to him. And so you you have to know what the truth of the word says. And, and, And the truth of the word is true regardless of what you feel. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter if one day you feel like a worm. Well, you just, you go to the word and you say, word, what do you have to say about me being a worm? Right. Right. You don't need a person. Right. You don't need a person. You have the word. You have the three persons. Woo! You have three persons that are that are just dying to tell you. Yeah. Actually, one did die to tell you. He did do that. He died to tell you. And so go to him. Get solidified in who you are. Get solidified in your value. Other words, we've got people that they want to be all these things just so it can prove something about something. When in truth, it's so weighty. It comes with something that you don't even know it comes with. You've got so many people wanting to be a leader or wanting to be a pastor. I can give you some scripture about the responsibility that they have. And I don't know if you'd be so willing after that, if you understood the weight and the responsibility of what it's like to have people's very souls that you're accountable for, you know, but you'll want it because that will prove something to you. And it's a weight that you don't get. And so if we don't have it solidified, our value in him then we will want all kinds of things and we will chase and we will chase and we will chase and we will chase. And every time, Oh, that wouldn't it. Oh, Oh no, that's not it either. Oh, Oh no, that's not either. I did that. I did that. I spent two years doing that. I spent five years doing that. And at the end of our 90 year old life, whatever we will have chased and chased and chased. And it was all actually right there. It's, it's here in the word. It's encounters with the spirit. It's an, it's listening to other people's testimonies. Each other's testimonies are supposed to be food for you. It's not just their testimony. It is your food. It is your food. It is your, it is your. Man, God, I'm, I'm. That's mine right there. What just happened with you? That is mine. I'm taking that. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna give me some of that instead of looking around comparing that you didn't get it. Just say, God, I want that. I'm gonna take that for me. I'm gonna take that as I know that's who you are, and I'm gonna believe that for me. That's what it's supposed to be doing for us. <clears throat> going to read a scripture it's very known it is um the most quoted scripture i would say what scripture do you think of whenever i say that all right so here we go john 3 14 and just and just as moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a snake on a pole For all the people to see and be healed. So the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up. So that those who truly believe in Him will not perish, but be given eternal life. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave His one and only unique son as a gift. Brian says, or God proved he loved the world by giving a son. So not everyone who believes in him or believe into him. This is the footnotes. Salvation and regeneration must be by faith. True faith has a number of components, acceptance, acceptance, Embracing something or someone as truth. Union with God and his word. And an inner confidence that God alone is enough. God alone is enough. God alone is enough. Not you. Not your abilities. Not your lack of abilities. Not your mistakes. Not your failures. Not your successes. an inner confidence that God alone is enough. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. See, I think we've said that scripture so much that we lost what it means. We've taken it that you know, it's a danger of being so saturated that we lose and we water down so much stuff that is so deep and so rich it loses its value to us. You know, I think whenever he was, whenever I was reading this and I read a lot of scriptures today but I think that I think that there is that there's a sin within the church, and the American church for sure. I don't know about other countries, but I know a lot from from American culture. But we we read we read this passage, and I think that we really don't get that it's our faith that actually believe that Jesus has cleansed us. See, I think we start thinking that we start elevating our own ability to mess things up so much that we don't step into faith and we don't believe what Jesus really did for us. I've been I've been um just on this really cool journey with him and um You know, we've been talking about the cross a lot. And, of course, we love the resurrection, of course. You know, the resurrection is amazing. They're a married couple, the death and the resurrection. We have to have them both. But he's, he's really had me on the cross a lot. And I think it's because I think there's almost a thing that we can almost tend to bypass the severity of the cross to celebrate what he did, that we don't look at the cross of what it actually was, of of what it actually did for us. We somehow get some other things mingled into our relationship with him that somehow our own abilities get so much bigger than what the cross did. And the danger, and the word talks about it, You know, but there's not another Savior. Teresa talks about it too. You know, there's not not another cross. There's not another, you know, there's not another thing for you. There's not another thing for you. There's not another way that if you mess up, that you can have some kind of atonement or you can have some kind of something. Everything is wrapped up into the cross. Every single thing. And see, if it was paired with anything else, what would that say about God's character that he would have told Jesus, you go and, and suffer the kind of death that you suffered, but I won't make that be complete. I'll say, oh, well, Sarah can have an add-on. Sarah For Sarah, Sarah, she needs to feel a certain way. Before she fully believes. See, it's dangerous because we don't go after places in our heart that we don't believe. Oh, yeah. And and it really is a place that we have to deal with the things in our heart. Ho- we have to deal with the yeast that gets in our heart that we don't fully trust what Jesus did for us. Because yeah. God would have been really, really mean. He would have been mean. If he did that to Jesus, that would have been his character. That you said of mine, you go do that. But that's not going to be, that's not going to be the whole thing. That's not enough. I'm going to need some more. But see, every time that we don't believe what Jesus did for us, that's what we say. That's actually what we say with our heart. We actually say, God... That's not quite good enough. I need to read my Bible more. And then I'll be able to receive it. I need to pray for people more. And then then I'm worthy of it. It's yeast in our hearts. Wow, I'm really far behind. Okay. um, The next part... The next part I'm talk about is no, I'm not. I'm gonna no, I'm gonna stay there for a second. Um, you know, I just wanted to share one thing that happened because I, I was thinking about what assigns value, and you know, we had a really interesting thing. We closed on um that on the house this week. was mm-hmm. amazing. It's amazing. So what was really 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 interesting. Is, you know, the uh, w- there's a system in place if you're buying a house that they have an appraiser come out, and then you know, it's really there are some guidelines to it, and like I know there is, you know, I mean, I know that they have to measure certain ways, and if you have certain upgrades, and you know, it's worth certain things, but you know, we had we had one appraisal come out and we, we do this different than most people, but we have the first appraiser come out and then they give us an idea what to sell the house for. Okay. They really liked the house and, you know, they had a lot of really good things to say about it. And so, uh, we priced accordingly and then we had the second appraiser come out and he loved the house. I mean, he loved it. He, he went on and on. And he was talking about how he really wanted to live in that neighborhood, but he, you know, he couldn't afford it. And he was cute. He was saying how he keeps, you know, shooting himself in the foot because he's the one that's setting prices for the neighborhood. Yeah, you know, that's what he does. He sets, he sets the pricing for what houses are going to go for. And so it was really cute, but I mean, he went on and on and on about how much he liked the house. And so before he was leaving, uh, you know, he just basically, you know, said that we wouldn't have any problems with, um, with the appraiser appraisal. And so, um, I didn't think anything else about it, you know, but, um, whenever I went to close on Monday, the little, uh, title guy He said that appraiser really loved that house. Like he, I guess, in the appraisal report, he really, really talked highly about the house. And um, the title guy said, you know, you had a lot in your favor with him. And I was thinking, you know, he set value for our house because he had value for the house. See, he set he set a higher value for it because of his own belief in it. His his own he he has such a high value for it, and then Jesus start telling me how he's the appraiser. So he looks at you. He looks at you, and he's the he is the one that came out. He looked at your life, looked at everything about it. Looked at everything about it. He looked at everything, everything. He said, Yeah, that's worth the cost. Absolutely. That's worth the cost right there. Gladly, gladly, worth the cost. With joy. See, he's the one that gets to say. That appraiser guy, he was the one that got to say what our house sold for. That was in his hands. Your appraisal report came in and it was really really high, highly favored that's where your value comes from he looks at it all the way from the beginning of we don't can't even understand it all the way way back then and all the way way back there for all eternity He's looking at the whole line of your life. He said it was a worthy sacrifice. You know, I think sometimes you can look at the enormous number of people. And then you can also make, it can almost make the cross not seem quite as personal. You know, I think you have to to really understand it. You have to really, really see it from his perspective, that it was all for just one person. He would have done all of it for just the one person. It is so amazing the vast number of people. But see, don't let that not under that. Don't let that rob you of the intimate um don't let it not intimately grip your heart. See because when I know whenever I take communion, you know or not just communion I mean I do it all the time but I know especially in communion or worship or whatever, you know, I really engage with it just a, it's just about me and him. you know I, I see the Godhead and I see them whenever Jesus, Whenever they were talking about what they were getting ready to go do, and you know, I've had encounters where I walked up in their conversation, and you know, they all hushed. They're like, "Yes, we have to do it for her. It's just for her." You know, it, it's it's personal. It's intimate. It's it's where your value comes from. Your value is so deeply rooted. And what the appraiser says about you, he's the one that assigns it. Not anybody else gets to assign it. Your family, they could have done their very best. They don't get to assign it. People don't get to assign your value. It's only the one. He's the only one. The next part I want to talk about is our personal stewardship of our lives and our building process. In 1 Corinthians, it says, We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully, according to God's standards. Whose standards? Not your own. God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation, either than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. The quality of materials used by anyone building on this foundation will soon be made apparent, whether it has been built with gold, silver, and costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw. This work will soon become evident, for the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire, and the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he himself will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning house. The footnotes that Brian says is Paul's language seems to be anticipating his next subject, the church as God's true temple. There is there is here an allusion to. The, I'm sorry. There, is, so confusing. Hold on. There is here an allusion to the temple of Solomon. Okay, got it. Which was built using gold, silver, and costly stones. Wisdom will build her house with divine substance, which is gold, which is redemption. Fruit is silver, and the transformed lives are the costly stones. Wood, hay, and straw are emblems of the works of the flesh, the building materials of man, not of God. They grow up from the ground which God cursed. It is both quality and durability that God commends. Quality and durability. Quality and durability. Fire will cause the better material to glow brighter but the inferior material will be consumed. How we build and what we build matters to God. Note that it is possible to build on the true foundation of Christ, but with wrong materials. We need God's work done in God's way. See, I feel like that's, that's one thing he wanted me to talk about is our testing by fire. And the things that we build in our own flesh and what we can manage in our own way. And, you know, God is really doing a very, very deep work in our hearts. I mean, he's really going after deep things that it's things that we have trusted in, that we have relied in, that we have sown in, that were not gold worthy. They were not fire worthy. They were not fire worthy and say, thank you, daddy. Thank you, Daddy, that he did that. Thank you, Daddy. Please, Daddy, show us what we are building that will not stand your fire. We want it. You want it. You want it. Trust me, you want it. You want it. You know, that whole process of proving us is really such a benefit that I think a lot of times we can almost get scared by it. And God does something really cool. God God really proves us. He does it through blessing and through testing. It comes through blessing and testing. We like blessing, don't we? That sounds fun, doesn't it? But see, you have to you have to really watch yourself whenever you're being really blessed where you start finding your treasures. because if you're going to be a builder and he's going to trust you with great things, you got to really, really, really be rooted and be tested. We, we want the testing by fire. I'm just saying you don't want the testing by fire without also, you don't want the blessing without the testing by fire. You don't want it. And see, I think a lot of times what we're waiting God to do, we're, we're waiting for him to do it. He actually knows that we don't have what it takes yet. And so then He He it's, it is in our best interest. We start judging his fatherhood. We start judging who he says he is. We start judging people whenever he's actually like, yeah, listen, you are so not ready for that blessing right now. Trust me, that blessing is going to bring a whole lot of other stuff that you do not have the maturity to handle. So I'm actually, I'm actually blessing you and you don't even know it. You think I'm withholding something from me, but I'm actually blessing you. Man, that's why trust has got to be so paramount in our hearts. Trust is everything. It's everything. You know, I think one thing that COVID did, it revealed where everybody's trust was. I mean, it was just on a worldwide stage. Bam. And it happened just like that. Like, I remember whenever we, whenever the food was being so weird and, you know, here we feed eight people. And so then it was just like, wait, like, we don't even know, like if we're going to be able to get meat you know we only talk about toilet paper that was just ridiculous you know but we we had not we we haven't dealt with that we haven't had to worry about are we not going to have food we haven't had to worry about oh actually somebody's telling you you can't leave your house see we we haven't we haven't had um we weren't prepared for different things that covid brought and so it really did just shine a light on things that we had trust in that we didn't even know we had trust in. You know, maybe it's government. We had had faith that the government would do X, Y, Z. And then all of a sudden, they didn't do X, Y, Z at all. They did a lot of other weird stuff. And that's not, wow, we thought that was something. Now that's not that. And so, you know, but it really did reveal what was in our hearts. You know, I know the stock market. Huge, you know. So then, the stock market got uh, shaken all up, yeah. Yeah. and so then what happens with people? Complete panic. Yeah. They're not gonna give. They're gonna hold on, baby. We're holding on with all we can, with what we've got, because it's all going. You know, God really, really in in this process of building. What we build in our inner man, in our private life, that is what is going to be the outflow of our lives. It's not the front that we want to put on. Hear me now. It is not what you want people to think. It's not how you want to be portrayed. It will always come out. You can fake something long enough, but at some point it will come out. But the outflow of your heart, that can't be stopped. It can't be stopped, good or bad. Good or bad. It's good or bad. It cannot be stopped. What God has put in you, people will experience it if you're doing it for the right cause, for the right reasons. If you're not, it will be found out. That's not bad. That's not bad. We want that. We don't want to get to heaven and then think we're going to get all golded out and all, all kinds of gems and stuff. And him be like, what? No, you ain't got nothing. Uh-uh. You got all that back there. Like, I don't want that. I want to know what what is worthy of a reward. What is worthy of something? I want to know that. I don't want to get there and then thank something and then barely even make it in. man, that was close. Like no, like thank you God that you that you're so good that you would actually tell us, yeah, that's not gonna work. and then we get to see it with our lives that that doesn't work. You know, a lot of times we just want to do what we want to do and then we thank God is going to we find some scripture that backs up what we want to do and then we start calling that and then think that we've tied god's hands well you have to do that because that's in the word it's not even true okay i gotta hurry the last part that i want to the last part i want to talk about is the outflow of our lives and what we actually produce first peter 1 14. the peters are good 1 Peter, second Peter, I highly recommend it. It's so good. So it says, as God's, as God's obedient children, say obedient. obedient. Never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the holy one who called you. Who? Holy one. Who called you? For scripture says you are to be holy because I am holy. Everything about God is holy. True holiness includes justice, mercy, truth, and righteousness. To be holy is to be, is to be absolutely devoted to God in all that we do, demonstrating who he is to the world. Holiness surrounds God's throne, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. The Hebraic concept of holiness is set apart. That is, we are a people set apart for God, even as God is set apart from all gods. Grace has embedded holiness into our lives, yet we are to make right choices, say right choices, And to yield to Christ, say, yield to Christ and God's word, say, God's word. And the Holy Spirit Spirit lives lives in us. Holiness is not merely actions we perform, but what we absorb and manifest as we live our lives in God's presence. Christ is our holiness. It says, since you call on Him as your Heavenly Father, the impartial judge who judges according to each one's works live each day with holy awe and reverence throughout your time on earth. I don't know if you remember or not, but last week, CC was talking about that there was a place of just stillness and resting in the presence, that there wasn't talking, that it was just face to face. See, see, that's that's that part of the absorbing see I think a lot of times we judge holy as okay, he said do that and I didn't do it so now I'm not holy or I did this and I shouldn't have done it so then now I'm not holy. Well no see that's not actually what it is. will will we do good things? Yes will we will we live rightly? Yes but uh, but it's really about being set apart. And yielding to Him. That that doesn't mean we're perfect. Holiness. That that's not saying that we're never going to make a mistake. It says that we are choosing to submit our lives to Him. We are choosing to choose Him. We are choosing to be obedient. We're choosing Him. That's how we get to absorb His holiness. See, he does it all. He does everything. He does every single thing. He tells us what to do. All we have to do is do it. I mean, what we don't even have to try and figure it out. It's not like it's not like it's a test that we don't know the answers to. We just do what he says. And if we're struggling to do what he says, then we deal with why we're struggling to do what he says. It's not it's not rocket science. It's not hard. He makes it really easy. Um in Colossians. No, I have one other thing. Okay, close your eyes. Picture yourself working. And your boss comes in and says, listen, productivity is really bad lately. And so in order to combat the low productivity, we're going to put cameras everywhere. And we're going to watch everything that you're doing everything everybody's doing to see how we can change and see who we need to maybe let go or see where the lack of productivity is? How does it make you feel? Would you need to change anything? Would you be able to just keep doing what you're doing? You can open your eyes now. Would you be good? If 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 your employer had his camera on you 24-7, or I guess you're not at work 24-7, but you know what I mean, 12 or 15 or whatever it is. Would you be really secure knowing the job you're doing? So in Colossians 3, 22, it says, let every employee listen well and follow the instructions of their employer. Not just when their employers are watching and not in pretense. Pretense, the definition of pretense is an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. And not in pretense, but faithful in all things. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts and the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you were doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. I wanted to read this part, this last part, because, you know, the, the, the part is what we are producing What's the outflow of our life? So we're building, right? We're all building. We said we're wanting to build, right? Didn't you say that? I want to build, so we're going to build. So we're all going to build. And so what are you building? You know, I think Teresa said something on Sunday that we really, really need to listen to. You know, there is, it is a struggle for her, not just her, but whenever we don't require of ourselves to bring our best selves. When we halfway do things or when we only do enough so that if somebody were to ask if we did it, then we could say, check mark. But was your heart really in it? Were you fully invested like it was your own? See, I, I think I think what we produce reveals a lot about our character. So if if whenever I'm asking you, if there was a camera on you. You know, he is a camera. Just saying. Spoiler alert. But he is seeing. Sometimes we get mad because we didn't get a raise. What would happen if that employer was watching? Were you worthy of a raise? Were you trying to make more money for your employer? Or are you just there? You'll go do something if you have to. Or if your manager comes around, you hurry up real fast and set up and, okay, I'm working. I'm doing something. (laughs) Or, you know, since we're talking about church, volunteer army, right? Right. What's that productivity look like? I think, you know, I can really feel, Teresa wouldn't want me to say all this, but I'm going to say it. But, you know, there is a real weight on the person that carries a vision. And I think it's even more weightier when you say you have people that say, I want to carry this part, but then they don't carry it. Or they carry it halfway and then it 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 puts her in a predicament because she's trusting and it kind of ties it kind of ties your hands if somebody else is saying they're going to do something but they don't do it or they just barely do it and you have to really really look at why are you saying yes what are you saying yes to What and why? Are you doing things knowing that he's watching? Knowing that it's actually for him? Or have you gotten it confused thinking it's for somebody else? Or did you get it because you thought you would get something in return, but then it doesn't, you're not getting that anymore. It's not fun anymore. You have to really know why you're building and what you're building. And so, I just want to say that you know, God is so 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 particular in how he likes things. He has a way. He he has he has a really cool way. I mean, you know, you just look at everything that he did. It was with excellence. I mean, you look at what they had to do to build the temple. You look at the the quality of materials. He is not into generic stuff. God is not into generic stuff. I'm just saying he is not into generic. He is not into generic Don't be bringing up some generic stuff and say it's going to be for somebody. Anyway, that's another pet peeve of mine, but I won't go there. But, you know, God is really, really particular about how he builds. And if we're saying that we're going to be a builder, then we need to be a builder like He's watching us. Because he's watching. I'm not saying that to—I mean, that's just the truth. We're not— We don't want to get twisted and think that we're doing something and we're only the ones seeing it because it's not true. He's seeing it. And then the fruit of our lives are showing it. And so I just want to encourage us. You know, I think for Teresa to even have to say something, I think think it's weighty. And so my prayer is that something I say tonight will help you know the value of what you're building. The value of what you have. We can't get messed up and thinking about how many people come here. Or anything like that. God is doing something internally with each person that goes so far outside of this little church and what we're just doing here. It's something, it's, it is so, he tests us with things. He tests us. He tests us at the encounter room. Will we be fully activated and fully on and be fully in if we don't have any visitors? Or will we just be like, Oh, I'm just going to go sit down and just not participate. I'll come and be here because I think I'm supposed to be here because people ask me why I'm not here. But whenever I come, I'm just going to kind of come in and just be like, Yeah, whatever. Like this is working things out in us. And if you don't know that, then you're behind, you're behind schedule and you need to get caught up because he is, it's building something in us. So the fact that, that we're saying we're going to build. A part of this please build it like he is watching you build it like it was yours build it like it was your baby you know build it like it was your idea a lot of times we don't have vision for our own lives we don't know what the call is or the destiny is well do something with the tribe that you're in. Do something until God shows you this is your thing. Do something, but do it with all your heart because we can't build if everybody is not fully in, if everybody's not going the same direction, if, if we're not really understanding our value. See, orphans won't be builders. Orphans won't build. They won't build. They will be concerned about themselves. They will be concerned about, there will be a myriad of things that they're concerned about, but they won't build. They won't want people to come in here because they may take their seat. Orphans won't build. You just have to remember that you're outside your design if you're not fully operating in quality and in excellence in what you're building. Because you're made like your daddy. And your daddy is very excellent. And your daddy is very particular. And your daddy has a way. And so you have to adopt his way. And so as you adopt his way, then we all get to be beneficiaries of you doing his way. So in our building process, don't forget, you have something to build because he's the one that assigned value. What you do matters. It will be an outflow of what we're building. And take your part and build something beautiful. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.